We are live. This is Fresh Off The Grill Podcast, your main number one podcast for all the MMA news. Rob's got some news for you. A little bit of news on the Asian MMA front. China, taking one step closer to censoring their people, has now banned fighters with tattoos from competing. Did they list any reasonings? or? Oh, they, they're kind of trying to do away with the hip-hop culture on TV. Hip-hop? The hip-hop culture. How big can that be in China? Hip-hop? Yeah. It's huge. I mean, they've fucking three billion people. Anything is huge. Yeah, but they had tattoos before that. It's like the Chinese triads and shit. You can still have tattoos, but they're not showing it on TV or anything now. Yeah, I know. It's weird. They were having fighters wear rash guards, which is like Under Armour shirts, or taping up their tattoos. Mm Mm-hmm. But the promoters were like, this is getting too annoying. We're just going to ban tattoos altogether. Okay. Yeah. A little bit weird, especially seeing how the UFC is a pay-per-view going there next month. And the champion is heavily tattooed. I I just don't even understand. So I, I don't know what this means for that event. If it's getting moved, if they're still doing it, what's the deal? She is a woman. So a good deal of them are going to be covered up with what she wears anyways, but also a good deal of them are not going to be covered up. Jessica Andrade fighting the uh, Chinese challenger. Oh yeah, she's fighting Zhang. Yeah. What is it, 75 to 80% of UFC fighters have tattoos? Probably. It's more than likely they'll have them. Unless something changes this very well, it could spell the end of the UFC's expanse into China. Not necessarily Asia, but China. I, I think that's a ridiculous rule. Oh, it's beyond ridiculous. What does it have to do? It doesn't, because, like, Cowboy Cerrone isn't the isn't someone I think of when I think of hip-hop. Exactly. He's covered in tattoos. Douchey ones at that. I guess it's because some Chinese rapper accidentally swore or something in a live performance on TV. So they're taking one step. So they're banning tattoos. I don't know, dude. It's very fucking weird. That is very strange. Especially with that championship fight coming around the corner. Yeah, it's in one month. I think it's mid-August. Maybe the end of August, but still, it's in Shanghai. As you were also bringing up Cerrone, got some news on the Don Cerrone front. He signed up for his next fight, which by all rights with these two names, you hear these two names especially together, you think instant fight of the year candidate. He signed up for the main event against Justin Gaethje in Vancouver in mid-September. All right, I like that fight. Very good fight. I think whoever wins that fight would be the next challenger after Tony for the title. Cerrone just lost to Tony, so... Yeah. That's just my personal opinion. I think whoever wins this fight definitely deserves a title shot after Tony. I think Tony deserves a title shot right now, but he's always getting hurt at the wrong moment. Oh, my leg! Yeah, he's definitely not the best at that. He's got a real case of, uh... The whoopsie-daisies? Yeah, but why don't we talk about UFC 155? UFC Fight Night 155? Pretty good card overall, actually. I thought Martin Vittori, which was the first fight of the night against Cesar Fajera, was a good fight. Won that one by decision. I mean, he won it on his feet, and he won it on the ground. He cut uh, Ferreira's bridge of his nose in the process and he had really crisp boxing uh, while he was standing up the italian especially in the third he showed his boxing his stand-up was very good in this and his grounding game is better than you'd think an italian would have seeing how they they're not big on the national wrestling scene well he's fighting a brazilian who's obviously got a black belt in brazilian jiu-jitsu i know he has a black belt i forget they might have said he has a second degree black belt in jiu-jitsu 
which is not necessarily someone you want to go to the ground with. So this kid's very confident everywhere, which is a good sign, I think. Uh, he won the fight unanimously. Uh, I think it was a 30-27. Um, good fight. Um, went the distance, of course. Next up, we had Roberson versus Terman. Yeah, Wellington Terman. Again, this this fight was all right. Went the distance. Carl Roberson ended up edging it out on, I think, 29-28 on two cards and then a split decision. 29-28 for Terman, I think. I don't think um, I don't know how the judge scored that, but I thought Robeson won pretty much everything. I mean, each of the rounds was basically the same thing. He took him down. He was in submission danger for a little bit, and then Robeson turned it around into good ground and pound. And then whenever they went on their feet, Robeson outstruck him. Yeah, I thought he clearly won that fight. I don't know how uh, how it was a split decision. It's weird the way judges decide to judge things. They want one way, one fight, another way, another fight. It's very strange how they pick and choose how to judge fights. I mean, how many points does uh, almost submission get you? I didn't understand the takedowns for points. In Japan, it would get you a lot. I mean, he came close to two rear naked chokes, but if you don't land, if you don't succeed in them i don't see the the point certain promotions in japan like ryzen they'll give you points based on trying to finish the fight because they judge the fight as a whole over there so they'll give you points based on submission attempts how close you get but in the ufc i don't get it i mean i guess it's better than john fitching someone to death but just humping them yeah dry fucking judging's one of those things that i think is never going to be perfect I mean, it's still fucked up in boxing, and boxing's been around for hundreds of years. Sure, of course. There's no real way around that. Next fight, though, we got Josh Emmett knocking out Murzdad Bektik in round one. It, it wasn't even that hard of a hit. It was a jab. He knocked him down with a jab and then followed it up with ground and pound. It was just right on the button, and then he uh, finished him with some um, kind of like hammer fists. On the Half ground. hammer fists, yeah. But I thought it was a pretty good finish by him. Team Alpha Male had a strong showing this night, which is based out of Sacramento, which is where this card was. Sacktown, which that transitions nicely. Uh, Faber, first of all, Faber won as soon as he came out because he came out to California Love. So already won the fight. That's his life. song. He's been coming out to that fight forever. That back song in, forever? Back in WEC. Um, Always coming out to California Love. He basically waits. He's got his hand cocked back, and he's waiting for that counter, and he gets it about 30 seconds in. He got the finish in 46 seconds, which is his fastest win in his career, and then Uriah ends up calling out Henry Segudo. Yeah, Segudo's been calling him out, actually, so he's just responding to that. Can't really respond to someone without winning a fight, and he went out there and did it. Yeah, he said, he said he's been um, calling for that fight for like 10 years or something. Yeah. Back before he even fought, like just when he started training, Cejudo did. So, great night for Sacktown, obviously, with Emmett and Faber both getting knockouts in the first. Hometown for this fight, which is in Sacramento. Aspen Ladd, who also trains right down the street from Sacramento, fought in the main event. Not so great. <laughs> Bad stoppage. I think so, but this is something that we've seen in multiple women fights. I think they don't get as much time to work it out. They definitely don't. Herb Dean jumped on her as soon as she got dropped. I mean, she did have a bad weight cut. She did get dropped. But as soon as... You could tell she was trying to work her guard. She was spinning and then he stopped it. And then she looked at him like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, she was still active. She was still with it. Um, She just got hit with a good punch. But 
You really can't take away from... I'm gonna butcher Just call it GDR. Durandamy. Hey! I fucking hate that bitch. Jermaine Durandamy knocks out Ladd in 16 seconds, tying the women's bantamweight record, who which is held right now by Ronda Rousey. Ronda... I don't know who it was. It might have been Alexis Davis that she beat in that time, but I just don't like Jermaine at all. I... D- I do think the stoppage was early, but, I mean, this is nothing we haven't seen in the UFC where it's questionable stoppage, <clears throat> Lawler and Askren. And then there's also, you know, this just happens with women fights, I feel like, even more. They definitely don't give them as long of a time period to recover and try to work their way back to their feet or work their way in their guard. I don't really agree with it. Who, I mean, who am I to say that she wouldn't have gotten finished anyways, but I think he should have gave her more of a chance, especially with it being a main event. Main and, event, and she's undefeated. And the winner possibly getting the next title shot against Amanda Nunez. Yeah, I don't... There's a lot of, at stake for a fight like this. I'm not saying let the girl get knocked out cold necessarily, but she could have taken a couple more punches while trying to recover. Durandamy doesn't have a shot. Oh, I hope not. That's against that's a battle against two women I couldn't care less for. But I'm gonna be pulling for Nunez. I can't stand Durand to me. That being said, with Lad getting dropped like that so easily, I don't think she would have had a great shot knee either. Her weight cut was horrible. I usually watch the Wayans before because that's how Ryan and I usually decide who we're going to bet on or who I'm going to tell him to bet on for the fights. Just based on how good they look. Based upon how good they look, sometimes a fighter will look extremely drained, and she almost collapsed on the scale. So right when that happened, I was like, oh, this isn't going to be a good one for her. She looked very weak, and she literally almost collapsed. Which can add to the ease of knockout, because you don't have as much fluid in your head. Yeah. I'm not trying to make excuses for her, but she wasn't 100%. The wake-up was too terrible, which may be a foregone conclusion to her losing. But overall, good night of fights, I thought. ESPN, you know... They are forced to put on good cards now, seeing how they have half of the UFC's content. Yeah, and now that I just signed in on the ESPN Plus on my PlayStation, I'm going to get to finally watch the Ric Flair 30 for 30. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Sound like a fucking owl trying to be quiet. Woo-hoo! Now, it was Rob's idea. New little top five segment I thought we'd try, give it a shot, see how it goes. How did you end up titling this? Because you gave me one and then you changed it and I said, I'm sticking with it. I already put thought into this. (laughs) Well, the segment's going to be the Fresh Off the Grill's top five. This specific one, I thought we'd give our top five knockout artists. Not necessarily who we think is the best knockout artist, who has the most knockouts, but just our favorite knockout artists. I did do this with a little bit of nostalgia goggles in mind. Oh, I did too. It's your favorite. It's, it's not necessarily who's the best. It's who, when they would announce they were fighting, you're like, oh, shit, someone's going to sleep. Some of mine is still fighting. So why don't you, we'll start from number five and move our work our way up. Yep. We'll each give our numbers, compare. My number five, Francis Ngannou. That's, so I thought about putting him on the list, but I think it's too early in his career. But I, I can understand this because his name definitely uh, went through my head. I had to do it, especially recently, with every single one of his last three wins adding up to under a minute. Mine right here, uh, I'm going to go classic. When we started watching the sport, he was the man on top. Uh-huh. Chuck Liddell, the ice Here we man. go. Um, he's got 13 KOs 
and I just wrote down some notable ones. Uh, Kevin Randleman. Babalu. Vitor Belfort. Alistar Overeem. Tito Ortiz twice. twice. Yep. And Randy Kotor twice. Yep. He might not have the numbers that some of the other guys I'm going to list, but he beat some greats he's in de- his time. He's definitely up there on the overall knockout list. He, and he was one of the first to just go on a tear in the UFC. He was I, one of the first great champions. I'm not sure of the exact numbers, but I can bet his knockout to fight ratio is probably about 50%, maybe a little bit higher. I think it's... I forget. And that's pretty good. I think I checked it. It might be around 60 or 70. I don't know if you would, what would happen if you added in his kickboxing record, too, because there's definitely going to be something there. Oh, there's a lot. Yeah. Um, that's a shit ton. The only reason I had him so low is just because I kind of factored numbers in a little bit, but I also factored in names. For instance, I have as an honorable mention, I couldn't put her on the list, Chris Cyborg with 17. But as I look back and I look at the fighters and who she's fought, the only one that really stood out to me was Gina Carano. That's actually why I left her off my list. There weren't enough big names on her knockouts. Because she does have the numbers. 17 is is very She's an animal. But she just doesn't have the names there to back it up. Exactly. That's why I didn't do it either. Maybe if she would have won that Nunez fight, maybe I would have... Uh, she'd be somewhere up there. She'd be in the list. But we're definitely going to have some similarities on our list, I think. My number four, I can guarantee you this guy isn't on your list. Melvin Manhoff. I do have him mentioned, but not... Do you? But not on the list. Dude, this guy is insane. I think he might have one decision in his entire career. He's, if you want to actually go like number and statistic wise, he's probably the greatest knockout artist that the sport has ever seen. He's damn close. He knocked out Mark Hunt in MMA. Because in Japan, there's no fucking weight classes. Just threw him up against Mark Hunt and he fucking slept him. Mark Hunt was out cold. Okay, I actually have... A tie for number four. That's fine. I'll mention him first because this is where Manhoof comes into my list. Robbie Lawler. Oh, he just missed out on mine. So 20 knockouts with some notable ones being Frank Trigg, Melvin Manhoof, and Josh Koscheck. And the only reason he's not higher is just because I felt like he needed a little bit more um, name recognition for his knockouts to really mean anything. The main reason I left him off of my list was most of his knockouts, I'm pretty sure, come earlier in his career. Like in his first stint in the UFC. That. Well, you can kind of tell by the names that I just listed. I mean, he's probably not on it, but Aaron Riley. Have you ever heard of him? No. Exactly. That's some of his fucking... Um, there's a whole bunch of them, but a lot of them are early on in the UFC. Tiki Gosen, who used to train Rampage Jackson. And then my other guy I have tied for number four, no surprise probably from you, Dan Henderson. 16 knockouts. I just wrote down a few notable ones. Henzo Gracie, Vanderlei Silva, Michael Bisbing, and Fedor. Oh, also Shogun Rua. Yeah. Hua. Excuse me. Hua. Another good fighter. See, we're going to have some similarities, but again, we're both picking fighters that aren't even on each other's list. That's pretty good. I think Henderson has more of the name recognition than Lawler, but I felt like they were kind of on the same playing field. That's why I chose to tie them for four. I also 
I needed six out of this five, so I did that. And you even saw I snuck in Cyborg. And yeah, just, fair enough. She needs to be mentioned in a she knockout does. list. She does. Definitely one of the most formidable female MMA fighters ever. Now, my number three, you already mentioned, Chuck Liddell. I mean, we've already talked about it. He has his biggest KOs come in his biggest fights. And also, grew up watching him. This bit of that nostalgia feeling. You know, knocked out Tito, Randy, biggest names in the sport back then. Also knocked out by some of the biggest names. Yeah, there started to be a point where he fell off. He started to lose his chin. And we've seen him in person, and him walking around is not a good sight to see. He's a little wobbly, still kind of punch drunk. Very wobbly. I mean, he fought Tito Ortiz recently, and my God, Tito Ortiz put him out cold. And we don't like Tito here, and... uh I'm not afraid to say that. My number three is Shogun Hua with 21 knockouts. Some more notable knockouts for him. Got Rampage Jackson, mm-hmm. All-Star Overeem twice. Mark Coleman, another um, OG in the sport. Chuck Liddell, Leota Machida, and Forrest Griffin. Shogun's also the guy that I believe started that whole cross-kick, front-kick thing. Was, was it him or was it Machida? That started oh, that. the crane kick? Yeah. That's no, true. that was Anderson. Shogun's a good pick, though. I like that one. You hit us with your number two? Number two. One of my favorite fighters of all time, Vandalay Silva. Absolute murderer in Japan when they encourage steroids. <laughs> the good old days. Encourage steroids and soccer kicks to the head while on the ground. Not just that, but you could stomp on people. Knocked out Rampage twice. Knocked out, ah, fucking Kazushi Sakuraba. He's one, definitely one of the meanest dudes, especially like old, um, the old sport. So because he was in Pride and everything, but I would, I'm surprised you picked the Axe Murderer. I always thought you liked uh, Chill Sonnen over him, or you just like the trash talk. Just the the trash talk's funnier, but Vandalay Silva is my third favorite fighter of all time. Really? Every time he goes in there, someone's dying. Him versus Brian Stan was one of the best fights I've ever seen. I don't think I've watched Doesn't mean I can't admit when he'll get crushed. Like when he fought Chris Lieben, I'm like, I'm telling you, this is a bad fight for him. Lieben's going to be able to take those shots and he's going to fucking knock him out. Sure enough, he knocked him out in under a minute. He certainly looks like a fighter with his catcher's mid face. He used to look like a human. <laughs> I, I, I don't see it. I think he's looked like Frankenstein as, as soon as he came out of the womb. When he fought in Japan, he looked almost human. Hmm. It's alright though It's hard to picture really It is, he's he's gross My number two, I've got one of my favorite fighters of all time Vitor Belfort With 18 knockouts Some notable ones being Tank Abbott Rob's number two, Vandalay Silva He fucked him up (laughs) Randy Kotor Rich Franklin Michael Bisbing And Dan Henderson, twice you want to know a funny story about Vitor? What? Me and Ryan kind of reignited his fuel with Vanderlei. We went to the Fan Expo in Boston and we talked to Vanderlei. We were like, oh. I asked him a question. I was like, so if you could fight one person, who would you go? Vitor, I crush him. <laughs> and then we told Vitor when we went to go get our shirt signed by him, who Brendan had at him signed, Jesus loves you, number one dad. Right. And then we're like, oh. We talked to his manager. You're like, you know, Vanderlei's over there talking shit, saying how he wants to fight Vitor again. And 
we saw his manager go up to Vitor and he pointed at us and Vitor looks up at us he's like really <laughs> and we're like yeah and they were signed to fight for a little bit before I think Vandalay got hurt well that's a cry and shame we could have we started that shit up yeah stirring the pot like we like to do here on this podcast oh it's a, so much fun so why don't you hit us with your number one I think you already know who mine is. Once I say my number one, you're going to be like, of course it is. I'm going to give his Christian name, Anthony Johnson. What's his other name? I'm not saying. (laughs) Just an absolute killer. Oh, this. He has some of the most violent knockouts. I saw him at the same fan expo when he fought at 170. Can you imagine him fighting at 170? Dana made him stop fighting such small little creatures. Yeah, he's much too big. But when I saw him in Boston, he stood next to Forrest Griffin, who fought at light heavyweight. They were the same goddamn size. Yeah. Light heavyweights are bigger than they used to be. We have to say that. Forrest Griffin was always huge. Always a big light heavyweight. He was a gigantic light heavyweight. But think about that. He fought at 170 at this time. Same size as Forrest Griffin, who just lost the UFC Light Heavyweight Championship. Now he's too busy smoking weed. He's fucking huge now. You were excited to see that uh, that fake news story about him uh, bare-knuckle boxing. He would have killed him. He would have killed him. He weighs 285 pounds now. He's a fucking power lifter. Yeah, these, these dudes get out of the sport and then just start taking TRT and fucking lifting. Oh, he's definitely on steroids. He's fucking huge. Gigantic. My number one, and I do this begrudgingly, Ugh. but it's got to be Anderson the Spider Okay, thank Silva. God. Who'd you think of? I thought it was going to be that fucking no good leprechaun piece of shit. Oh, I'm not going to do Conor McGregor. Get the fuck out of here. You had me scared. Anderson's fine. Anderson's perfectly fine. That won't make me mad. Get the fuck out of here. I can't do his accent. Um, But none of that jibber jabber. Uh, Anderson Silva, 23 KOs. um, Definitely one of the most prolific knockout artists of all time. That's how most of his fights ended, especially in the UFC. For that 10-year period, he was finishing everyone. It was, it got to be where we hated watching him because all he would do was like rope-a-dope everybody, make them look stupid, and then he would knock them out. He would keep his hands down and he would knock people out. Pathetic. He made other people look like they didn't even belong being a professional fighter. So I'm gonna, as I've been doing, I'm going to list some uh, notable wins for him. Chris Lieben. Rich Franklin twice. Nate Marquat. Yeah, it's close enough. It's fine. <laughs> Forrest Griffin, Vitor Belfort, Yushin Okami, Chael Sonnen, and Stefan Boner. I, I'm aware that's not how you pronounce it's, his name, but it's funny. That's that how I say it. And then obviously, he meets his ultimate demise against the American, Chris Weidman. Both me and Rob lost our voices for about a week from yelling at Buffalo the first, Wild. The first time, yeah. For that. A lot of fun. Now, the second time, the rematch that everybody said that, oh, he's not going to go in fighting and uh, clowning on him this time. He's going to go in serious. I was in a Buffalo Wild Wings. I believe it was in Jackson, Tennessee. Everybody's rooting for Anderson Silva. Not you. Not me. I'm going there with my pops. 
we couldn't even sit down. It was so packed. We just ordered a beer and stood like we were waiting for a table. We weren't waiting for a table. We were just waiting for that one fight. He checks the kick. Anderson leg makes a right angle. The bar is silent. Illuminati confirmed. I start the chant. USA. 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 I'd like to think the whole bar joined in, they but didn't. no. No, everybody was so upset, but I loved it. <laughs> One of my favorite stories. I, I can't not tell it when I'm talking about Anderson, unfortunately. Well, fortunately for me. So those are our knockout artists, top five. Did you just call them knockout artists? That's all we're doing? Fresh off the grill, top five knockout artists. Some kind of sound effect right here. Boom. I was thinking more of an explosion. So this weekend coming up, we won't be late with this one because Rob's going to be editing instead of me. We got UFC on ESPN4. First up, we have, I'm going to call it the a Who the Fuck Should Retire match with Andre Olosky and Ben Rothwell. Yeah, Big Ben Rothwell. That's Rob's lock of the week. It's Big Ben. I think he's knocking out Arlovsky. I had to go back several years to find a win for each of them. Well, that's because Ben was suspended for steroids, so you know he's good. And Arlovsky's been losing quite a bit. Yeah, he for has, years. He has two separate four-loss losing streaks on his record. That's horrible. He's got to be the guy that has survived the longest in the UFC and really shouldn't have. BJ Penn. That's true. I forgot about BJ. BJ Penn hasn't won in seven years. He now has a losing MMA record, I'm pretty sure. I think it's like 13 and 15. Poor best. Now, obviously one of the bigger guys earlier in his career, so I think they give him the benefit of the doubt. But Well, he also puts on good fights, and... He's a very streaky fighter. He'll win some, lose some. This just happens to be him losing quite a bit. Honestly, I'm going to take Andre Orlovsky in this one just because I like him better than Ben Rothwell. He won the first fight. Um, that's pretty much it. He's far too old and definitely should retire. What is he, 42? He's up there. He's old, dude. And Ben Rothwell just looks like shit. Yeah, he's only like 36. but No, but he can take a punch, so... That's why I'm going for him. I think it's going to be similar to his fight with Alistair Overeem. Getting beat up the whole time, but he just needs that one punch to put him out. I mean, Overeem doesn't have a jaw anymore either. Neither does Arlovsky. Lots of knockout losses on his record. Second fight of the night, we've got Alexander Hernandez versus Francisco Trinaldo. I'm going with the American, Alexander Hernandez. Young blood right here. Once again, another old guy he's fighting, so Hernandez. Third fight of the night, we've got the Texecutioner, James Vick, versus Dan Hooker. Gotta go with Hookers. Yeah. So I'm going with Dan Hooker. Hookers, and then kill them right after and take your money back like you're playing Grand Theft Auto. Exactly. I, I mean, I'm. both of them got beat up bad in their last fights. James Vick got flatlined by Justin Gaethje. And Dan Hooker got beat up. And I mean beat up by Edson Barbosa. Yeah, both coming off a loss. I'm just a little bit more confident in Hooker, personally. 
Yeah, I, I think his striking is better overall. James Vick is going to pose some problems because he's like six foot three and a lightweight. That's pretty tall for a lightweight, but I think Dan Hooker is going to be able to pull this one out. Next fight, we've got everyone's favorite former NFL star turned pro fighter Greg Hardy versus Juan Adams. Yeah, he came into the UFC. He had a 1-0 and record against his girlfriend and... You know, just a really outstanding guy. Undefeated is undefeated. <laughs> um, all jokes aside, I am actually picking Hardy in this one. Me too. <laughs> Only because... We love women beating here at Fresh Off the Grill. It's our favorite thing. I didn't say it. <laughs> Next is child beating. But it's a very close... Obviously, we're kidding, guys. Uh, Hardy's a piece of shit, but I think he's going to win the fight. I just think Juan Adams is too sloppy and he's too big. That big head's going to be a big target. He lost to some tiny heavyweight in his last fight. You remember that Indian fella? Mm. Where he walked out, I was like, there's no fucking way he's going to beat this guy. He's like some six foot eight guy. Indian guy took it to him. I just, I'm not confident enough in Juan Adams' skills to beat Greg Hardy. I think he's going to get hit and he's going to get hit early and put away. And, um... Even though Hardy hasn't been in the sport long, he's obviously coming from that football background. We know he's an athletic guy. Even John Jones being the least athletic brother in the Jones family dominates the sport. Yeah. So athleticism goes a long way, um, even when all the skill and form isn't there. Greg Hardy's striking starting to look pretty good, though. All he's got to do is polish up, and he'll start to be good. I think he'll be all right. I don't think he'll ever be championship material. He started this way too old, and heavyweights are dangerous. In our co-main event, we have the plus-125 underdog Alexi Olenek versus the minus-145 favorite Walt Harris. I'm going with the Russian. I think he's going to sub Harris. You think he's going to submit him? I do. Harris is coming off a KO win. He is. Olenek's coming off a KO loss. Yep. And he's 42 goddamn years old. Yep, but did you see his haircut? It's fucked up. (laughs) means he's crazy. (laughs) What is his hairline in the middle of his fucking head? He shaves it like that. (laughs) It's like that fucked up blade haircut your brother gave me in that sixth grade. I think I have a Polaroid for it if anybody wants to see it on Instagram. You don't want to see that shit. That's what his hair looks like. His hair is fucked up. So you're saying just because his hair is that crazy, he's got to win? No, he's extremely strong. He He's rushing, of course. He, he has is. hit an Ezekiel choke from the bottom like three times. That, I mean, I can't really explain how is to that, do it. Is that like through the front like that? Kind of. Mm. But you have to be insanely strong to get that. I think he's gone that twice in the UFC. He's the only person to do it. When did he enter the UFC? Because he's old. Recently. He had something like 40 to 50 fights before he even got in the UFC. He was on that Russian card, too, that we talked about, I think, on the 420 special. Oh, yeah, with Alistair Overeem? Yeah. Yeah. He Uh, fought that fight like an asshole, but Overeem's a lot better than Harris, who's susceptible to submissions. And next we have our main event. We have an even fight with Rafael Dos Anjos, which means you bet what you bet, and you will get that back if you win it. Versus the minus 120 favorite, Leon Edwards. I'm going with Leon Edwards in this one. Yeah, I'm going with Edwards as well. He's been on a tear. He's younger. He's got better reach. Uh, Dos Anjos is no slouch, but I think he's going to be a stepping stone in this one. 
it kind of almost seems like they're using him as a stepping stone in all of his recent fights. He's too big for lightweight, too small for welterweight. These welterweights, are, for the most part, are going to take it to him. I mean, when I say that, I, I basically mean it. Yeah, he's he's a big name for someone just to launch their career with. Yeah. Um, and Leon Edwards has got to be looking to rebound back after getting hit with that three-piece and soda from Jorge Masvidal. Yeah. I, I like the Jamaican. I, I'm definitely... I'm definitely going with this kid. Should be a good fight either way, though. I see this going all five rounds. Del Sanios is too tough to put away for the most part. Now, Gabe, why don't you go ahead and hit us with this week's misconnections? This one's titled, Want the Glory Days Back? Oh, this is an old twink. I'm hosting guys today that love to have the edge taken off as discreetly as possible. Very quiet, clean place for you to de-stress and unload all that baggage. Winky face. He's almost sucking dicks. GH style. Any age, race, etc., but prefer cut. And the bigger the better, winky face. Reply with a pick and be able to travel, winky face, as the GH opens after two. This is in Reading, Massachusetts for any of you hoodlums. This is the oldest, laziest fucking queen I've ever heard of. This dude just wants to suck massive dicks, both in numbers and in size, while staying home. I... I read it at first, and then I was like, what's GH? And I was like, glory day. Oh, I had to put two and two. I almost didn't pick that one, but it's a great one. So if you guys are looking for some servicing. Um, de-stressing. De- excuse me, de-stressing. Uh, just head to Reading, Massachusetts anytime after 2 o'clock. It's open for business. Just, Bust that nut in that glory hole. Just start dick- <laughs> start, start sticking your dick in random holes. See, see what happens. <sighs> That fucking guy, Jesus Christ. It's always the old queens who are the most, the thirstiest. That'll about wrap us up. You can catch us on Instagram, Fresh Off The Grill Pod. Facebook, Fresh Off The Grill Podcast. Shoot us an email, Pod at gmail.com. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a viewer voicemail on the Anchor app if you so please. And uh, still haven't heard from you guys. Where are those white people jokes? There aren't any. It's just white people being racist. Fucking terrible. We need some good white people jokes. Yeah. We're going to go have some uh, white people sandwiches with lots of mayo. Oh, mayo on both sides of the bread. Both sides. And on the outside. Yeah. Gordon Ramsay would be proud. Anyway, adios. Peace. You know, I was, I was wondering, you know, if... You could keep on because the force has got a lot of power and it makes me feel like a, it, it makes me feel like a... dude has a huge penis. We're not gonna cut that.
easy. Woo! No, no, back up, back up. Still yep. <laughs> Space Mountain, that's all you gotta know about that. Oh yeah, Gabe was thirsty. <laughs> Nate Marquardt, Nate Marquardt, I can't say his name right Nate now. Nate Marquardt. Nate, Mar Nate Marquardt. Just think of Lord Farquhar from Shrek. I love Michael.